0: I've known this guy here to my left for quite a while. And many of you know the story, but Lynn was instrumental in leading me to Christ. Uh, he was mine and Ariel's campus ministry down in Tampa, Florida. Um, and so I learned a whole lot for the, from this man and have a great appreciation for Lynn, uh, but mostly for his wife, Carol. Um, no argument there. Uh, but no, seriously, I love this guy. I, I love his family. I love the way God has used him and the way God is continuing to use him in Tulsa. And uh, if there's anybody I know that has really made a difference in, in the world through their prayer life, it's this guy. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he has to say about prayer tonight. And speaking of that, I'm going to pray over him, and then I'm going to sit down. God, uh, I love this man. And, uh, Father, I know he loves you, and he loves, he loves the unlovable, Um, and father, I, this is a guy that I've seen pour into people. He hasn't always been the most patient, but he's always been a guy who loves. And, uh, man, I just, I just want to pray a blessing on him tonight as he shares the word. Uh, I've learned a lot about prayer from this fella, and I've seen you work through him in powerful ways because of his connection to you through prayer. And so I pray that our hearts be open to the word you're going to share through him, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen.
1: Hey, I got to get a couple of... I gotta get a couple of, couple of housekeeping things out of the way first. Uh, number one, uh, don't please, please, I know Kerry said this, but please, 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 if you attended the event, be sure and register. The only way CMU can afford to put this event on and put family vacation on is if everybody that comes registers and pays. I, I know that sounds bad to have to pay and all that, but it really is the only way we can afford to put it on. So, please make sure it's easy with this many people to skip the registration and not get registered, but it's the only way we're ever going to keep, be able to keep doing it is everybody does register. Secondly, probably most importantly, somebody, I won't name his name, but I've known him for a long time. I, no, I won't give you hints either, uh, came up to me and said, you, you, You're not a part of RCM. What are you doing wearing the shirt? I said, well, excuse me, but I think I'm as much a part of RCM as anybody else here is. Amen. Am I not? Are we not all a part of this? Right? Oh, well, wow. We're not? Let's try it again. Are we not all a part of this? All right. Amen. There you go. It doesn't matter what the name of the ministry is that we are at, what city we're doing it at. We are all part called by God to reach out to his people that he's called, right? And so no matter what name we put on it, you'll see me wearing this one. If you got a ministry from another part of the country, give me your shirt, I'll wear it. All my all the shirts I have, I have something on it. It has to do with college ministry. When I was asked to talk about prayer, I, it, was one, it was one of the few times when the board, when we're sitting together, coming up with topics and coming up with who's going to speak on what and, and all that kind of stuff, it's one of the few times that they assigned me a topic and I went, yes, yes, thank you. A lot of times they assign me a topic and I'm going, I, I, patience, you want me to talk about patience? I don't have any they say, well, yeah, that's why we want you to talk on it, because then you'll get some. But this one, I, I loved it when they gave it to me, because I, I love prayer. I believe in prayer. I believe it is the single most important thing we as Christians have. And I'm going to talk a lot about that as, as we go through, because that's what they told me to talk about. But I also am somebody that loves to study the book of Acts. I study the book of Acts fairly regularly probably two or three times a year i'll go through the entire book studying it and you would think after you've gone through it eight or nine or ten times that there really wouldn't be anything else that you'd see but every time i go through it i run across something else that just jumps out at me the last time i was going through it i noticed something that just came out over and over and over and over it was like the the main theme throughout the whole thing the disciples were devoted to prayer. And I wondered why, as I got to thinking about it, why were they so devoted to prayer? They were eyewitnesses to Jesus, and I think they understood what it meant to follow him. Because if you're following him, you've got to follow his example. And there was nobody more committed to prayer than Jesus. Jesus said to, his, said to everybody that listened to him, what you hear me saying the father told me to say what you see me doing the father told me to do if you think that process through just just run that through your head what's he saying he doesn't do anything without the father telling him what to do and what to say if that's true then he was so connected in his prayer life that there was no disconnection when paul said pray without ceasing 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 that's what jesus did He lived a life of that. Everything he did to the point of everything he said is what the Father told him to say. So talking about those first Christians, you get in the book of Acts and you look at them. They had gone to Jerusalem after Jesus had ascended and did what he said. Go there and wait. So they're in Jerusalem. So think of this scene. They're in Jerusalem. They're gathered together. And they knew one thing for certain. Jesus had told them, last thing he told them, go and be my witness throughout the world. But here's the catch. They didn't know how. They didn't have a clue. I read a book one time and I forgot which, I forget the name of the book. I do that all the time. I forget a lot of things at my age. Um, (laughs) But it tells a story about the angels being gathered together, gathered around Jesus. And he tells them his plan. Guys, picture the scene. The angels are gathered around him. He says, here's here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go down there. I'm going to live a life of servanthood as an example to them. I'm going to teach them what to do. And then when I send back into heaven, those 12 are going to spread my gospel all over the planet. The angels looked at each other and said, what's plan B? (laughs) Jesus said, there is no plan B. Back to those first Christians, they had no clue what they were, how to do, what Jesus had commanded them to do. So what did they do? Well, if you've read the book of Acts, you know what they did. They prayed. See, I am convinced we don't take prayer seriously. Not as seriously as I believe that we should take it. And I think the reason is we don't understand the depth of our need for God To work supernaturally in our lives hear me if we're going to live out our calling on earth we have to devote ourselves to prayer because this isn't just our mission this is his mission we get our marching orders from him I'm going to talk about some powerful examples in prayer but before I get there I want us to stop just for a second and think about how it is we should approach God. Because I I fear sometimes that we don't take prayer so seriously. I'm not even sure how to say that. Since we don't take it seriously, we go before the Father sometimes just too cavalier. You know what I mean? Just... Just treating him as if he's some Santa Claus in the sky. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Yeah, I do have those screens up. Thank you for that, guys. He says here, guard your steps when you go before the house of God. Go near and listen rather than offer sacrifices of fools who don't know what they do wrong. Don't be quick with your mouth. Don't be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven. You are on earth. Let your words be few. Let that sink in for a second. This is how we are supposed to approach the Father. We're supposed to come into his presence, and it says, guard your steps. Don't be quick. Don't be hasty. Let your words be few. Compare that just to our normal daily walk that you witness throughout the world, to our normal culture, to what dominates our culture when it comes to prayer life. What do you see? Go before the Father. Hey, Papa, uh, I want to talk to you for a minute. Now, I'll talk about that a little bit, and I want you to know I'm not putting down using the word Papa. As a matter of fact, there's there's a place and a time for it. I mean, Romans 8 even talks about it. But I think the way we treat and go before the Father sometimes, we're being hasty. We're not guarding our steps. I think it's an authority problem. Read a lot of books that it talks about it being an authority problem, how this generation has an authority issue. Yes, there is an authority problem, but God doesn't have it. It's not His problem, it's ours. When we go before Him, we need to recognize that authority. We want to focus on things that, things in the Bible like, because of Jesus' sacrifice, I can approach the throne of grace with confidence. We want to focus on that section of scriptures. And think that allows us to just walk into His presence and to just start talking to Him, or we'll go to Romans eight, like I talked about, where it uses the word Alba, and in the, use, in the use of that word, the, the, it's, it's an intimate word in Hebrew for father, or daddy, or papa. And I and I hear a lot of guys going before the Lord and, and using papa, for example. And again, it's not. I'm not. Don't t- don't get me wrong. I don't have a problem with your prayer life and you using it being so so intimate with God that you're using the word Papa. Don't misunderstand me. I'm saying something else that I want you to hear. I think we can go before him that way, and I think we can go before him the way it says in Ecclesiastes, both ways at the same time. I think it's true, but it doesn't cancel out what Solomon's saying. The two statements are not Mutually exclusive of each other. They both can and do exist. We can go before the Father and call Him Papa. We can go before the Father and guard our steps. Because we need to guard our steps when we go before the great I Am. I don't think we should leave that part out. I think the last six words in verse 7 says it all. Therefore, stand in awe of God. I think we can go before Papa standing in awe of Papa. There's a big difference to we go before him that way than there is to just be hasty with our words and just treat him like he's just somebody I'm talking to. I don't think that's how we should approach God. About a year ago, one of our elders and I thought about a long time whether to talk about who he was and decided his name and I decided not to I think he would would wish I wouldn't but about a year ago he sent out an email to the staff all the staff at Park Plaza he's one of the most influential men in Tulsa and he said God has put it on my heart I got up this morning God had put it on my heart that every day, every work day, I'm going to come to the church office. If you've ever been to an office, it's a giant uh, foyer, probably about the size of this room. The foyer is about the size of this room. He's going to come to that foyer where everybody travels in. He's going to come in at 8 o'clock. And he's going to bring his prayer pad. And he's going to kneel down on that prayer pad and pray. He's not going to, if I can get back up, we'll be all right. He's not going to get down there and pray about one of us staff members sending an email saying, pray for my mom, she's sick. He's not going to get down there and pray about all the different things that we would all ask him to pray about our daily locks. He's not going to get down there and, be, and treat God like Santa Claus. He's going to get down there and he's going to look to the Father and he's going to plead with the Father to open up doors for this church to reach lost people and he started doing that and he did it every day he, he invited staff to be with him those staff that could be up that early campus ministers couldn't quite be up that early but <laughs> he'd be before the Father every morning pleading six months goes by This is is amazing to me. And I I know you're going to think the same way I did and the same way a lot of other people did when they hear this story. say, is this story real? I promise you guys, (laughs) this is as real as it gets. About six months later, the church secretary gets a phone call. And it's a pastor at a large church, large 50-acre facility, eight buildings on the facility. It's, It's a massive property calls the church and said, I need to talk to somebody there that's in charge. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, I got up this morning, and God told me to sell our property to Park Plaza. And the secretary's like, okay. Um, I mean, she thinks it's a joke call, you know, prank. So she finally passes him through to the office manager. The office manager thinks it's a prank. Finally patches him through to this elder that's been praying he kind of thinks it's a prank, because the guy, as he further explains, he explains the property, and this elder knows where the property is, and knows what it's worth, or at least a ballpark idea. And the guy says, "Yeah, we just recently had it appraised. It's tw- it's worth appraised for twenty million dollars." And our our elder was like, "Well, a couple of things. Number one, we're not looking for a property." We're happy right where we are. We've branched. We're in three properties. You know, we, we don't need another property I and mean, that's great that you God told you to sell us the property, but but we're not interested So you don't understand God told me to sell it to you and you're gonna buy it for seven and Now Now let that sink in Something's wrong with this picture. It's appraised for twenty million dollars And he wants to sell it to us for seven and a half million dollars because God told him to Is the guy crazy? Today, if everything went as it's supposed to go, they signed the papers on it. The guy was serious. We just bought a property that's the largest I've seen in the Brotherhood outside of maybe Richland Hills. I'm still in shock. And the more I got to thinking about it and the more I began to marinate on what had happened, it hit me. When he was on his knees praying, God was listening. And something big happened. Now, in the middle of all that, I'm not going to go too deep into it, but in this prayer thing that's going on, I started doing the same thing our elder was doing praying. I just wasn't at the office on on my knees. I was at home on my knees because I'm not up at 8 o'clock in the morning. Anybody that's campus minister understands that. We don't even hardly get to bed by that time. But I started doing the same thing, and we've had... Three, well, a family quit their campus ministry position and moved to Tulsa. Eight hey, year veteran of campus ministry. We've had two other campus ministers have been involved, I don't even know the number of years, that are now searching, uh, three of them searching for positions in Tulsa to move to Tulsa. Something's going on. But I go back to, I keep going back to, where did this all start? It started because we were. Started asking. The scripture tells us that we're supposed to ask, doesn't it? James says, you don't have because you don't ask. Well, we started asking, and he started, he, he started answering. Now, why did I tell you that story? Did I tell you that story to brag on, on our elder, what a great elder we have? And No, the truth is he would be mortified if he even knew that you could get a clue who he was. Did I tell you that to brag on our church because we're getting this giant property and we're moving? No, it's, really, it's not about that either. I just wanted to give you a current, real-life example of what can happen when we humbly, respectfully, and reverently go before the great I Am. Okay, now that we've talked about how we approach God, I want us to unpack the text that I was given, Daniel chapter two. Open up to Daniel chapter two. We're going to pick up in about verse 14, but first let me allow me to set up the story. The Babylonian king, you've heard all about it from Macki and all, all the time leading up to this. you've been hearing about them, and they walked all over some of my stuff. but uh, the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, had some dreams, and these dreams had him all messed up. He wasn't even able to sleep. I don't know if you've gone without sleep very much, but one time I had a, a friend, a personal friend, a minister of ours for a couple of years, had, was dying of cancer. In the last six days, I was at the hospital with him. I won't go into all the reasons I had to be there, but I had to be there and really kind of a security. And it turned out for six days, I didn't get sleep. Man, I started seeing things move on the walls. <laughs> Just sitting there looking at the walls and things start moving. I, said, I think I need to get some sleep. Well, this is, what, this, is, this is where Nebuchadnezzar is. He can't even sleep. So he calls in his experts, and he tells them, he says, I need you guys to tell me what these dreams mean. So his experts come in. And they say, okay, boss, tell us your dreams, and we'll interpret them. Pretty slick, right? Tell us your dreams, and we'll interpret them. Well, Nebuchadnezzar is kind of smarter than that. He, he looks at him and says, no, 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 no. That's not how it's going to work. You tell me what the dream was, and then you interpret it. Now, how are they supposed to know what the dream was? And then he adds to that. If you can't do that, I'll have you cut into pieces and your houses turned to rubble. (laughs) Boom. Stage set. Picture yourself as one of those experts. You can interpret dreams for the king, right? <laughs> what are you going to do? You're going to start crabbing real quick, right? <laughs> you're going to start, maybe you're going to use some logic, you know? What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal to the king except the gods. And they don't live among men trying to use logic. Well, the king all of a sudden is realizing something. These experts are not experts. Experts. They don't have any clue. So then he says, kill them all. Take all my wise men and all my kingdom. Take every one of them and kill them. I think the sleep deprivation kind of got to him. (laughs) Kill them all, right? Well, this presents an opportunity for Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. As Mackie told you, that's Belshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That would be their slave names. Okay. You see, they were part of the wise men that were just ordered killed. By the way, did you notice I called it an opportunity, not a problem? Because that's how Daniel looked at it. When faced with persecution and even death, time and time again... God's people view it as an opportunity to display the glory of God. The Apostle Paul was a great example of it. A fable says that he, was, he converted the Roman soldier that cut his head off at the end of his life. Anyway, let's pick up in verse 14. Daniel chapter 2. When Eric, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon... Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, Why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Eric then explained the matter to Daniel. At that, Daniel went to the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream. Now focus on verse 17 and 18. Then Daniel returned to his house <clears throat> and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And he urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning, concerning this mystery. So that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men. You see, when Daniel faced with this opportunity, what did he do? He went and he engaged his friends. Why? Why didn't Daniel just take care of this on his own? You heard Mackie talk earlier about all the things that Daniel had been given, how he'd been put in charge of so much, how here he was, one of the wise men. I mean, all these things. Why didn't Daniel just take it on himself and do it himself? Because Daniel knows something that's very important that we need to learn. Two little words called prayer cover. I fear sometimes we don't appreciate the power of prayer cover. If we did, we'd spend more time in prayer and engaging our friends in prayer. I was going to, speaking of Mackey, I was going to pull a Mackey. I made plans. I've got this this staff. It's a big oak stick that I used to carry around at camp to play with the kids, and it's about this tall, and it's about that big around. I was going to take it and wrap the end of it with some, with some uh, cloth, soak it in lighter fluid. And I was going to take it up here on stage. I was going to light it up, hold it up, this big torch. I was going to have a couple of guys up here with a big old towel, wet towel, to hold up over the top of the torch to show how nothing would get through. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized Carrie and Robert, after this flood they've had in this building, <laughs> would probably be tackling me about the time I was striking a match to it. So... Just like Wes tried to do with Mackie at Panama City when he lit up that paper. Oh my God. So I decided not really to do that. But what I wanted to show in is that towel. That towel then come down and wrap over that torch and put the torch out. And use that as an, just a visual to give you an idea of what prayer cover is. And it's just a small portion of the idea. And I'll talk more about it in a little bit. But James, the brother of Jesus, said... The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Paul said to the Corinthians that the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. What is this weapon of divine power? Look at Ephesians chapter 6. This After they... After, in Ephesians 6, where he's described the armor, after he describes each piece of the armor and puts all this armor on, you you realize something when you start reading the next verse. You put on all this armor, full armor coat with a sword, pulled and ready to go to work, and what's your job? What's your position? On your knees. Look what it says. After you put all this armor on, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray for me also that whenever I speak, words may be given to me that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador and change. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Why do we put on all the armor? What's the purpose of our armor? To provide prayer cover. Again, I'll talk more about that in a minute. Let's go back to Daniel. Daniel had engaged his friends, his prayer warriors. Let's pick back up in verse 19 through 23 of Daniel chapter 2. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. And he said, Praise be to the name of the God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are His. He changes times and seasons. He disposes of kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise, knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in the darkness, and light dwells with Him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we ask you for, and you have made known to us the dream of the king. So Daniel, with a prayer cover of Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, went to war. What did God do when they hit their knees and went to war? That's the warrior's position. He provided the answer. But don't miss out what Daniel did after he received the answer. I think this is just as important as the asking. It's hidden in the middle there. Don't miss it. What did he do? He praised God. Right? He praised God. Go back and look at that portion where he praised God. He didn't ask, get on his knees and plead with the Father, get his friends engaged in prayer cover and plead with the Father. And then when the Father provided, they were all, Oh, look, God provided. Oh, and isn't this great? This is awesome. Well, by the way, thanks, God. Now, look how he, look how he praised his God. When he answered. How often do we do that? Man, that really hit me as I was studying for this message. How often do I do exactly the opposite? I'll go into prayer. I'll even engage some other people into prayer cover. And then when God so clearly answers the prayer. (laughs) It'll hit me sometime later. And I'll go, oh, wow thanks father that's it i sometimes i imagine him looking down going really that's it i just fought this giant battle for you and won and 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 your answer is oh yeah thanks thanks father that's it of course he loves us so much that he just continues to teach us so that we will can and will get beyond that thank you Shouldn't we praise God the same way Daniel did when he answers prayer? Boy, he he does. Praise be to the God of heaven. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. And he just goes on and on and on, praising his God. Daniel then says, take me to the king. I'm ready to interpret his dream. Look at verse 26 through 28. Still still Daniel 2. Look what Daniel does here. Daniel replied, No wise man, enchanter, magician, diviner can explain to the king the mysteries he's asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and your visions that passed through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. Daniel turns all the attention to who? God. He turns all the attention. There is no I in Daniel's speech here, is there? Why? And how's that so different than us? Don't we just get I involved in this? Okay, that was already open. You didn't drink out before you got up to me. Did you? Just kidding. There is no I. Why? Why did Daniel turn all the attention to God? This is why Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and and Azariah thrive in Babylon. This is it. Don't miss it. They know two things quite clearly. When faced with opportunity, number one, you turn to God. And when he answers, you praise God and give him not some of the glory. You give him all of the glory. He's the one that answered. So Daniel goes on and he interprets the dream. And look at the result of interpreting the dream. Verse 46 through 49. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel. You, do, you, do you see that? Man, you can just read right past that real quick. Who fell before, prostrate before Daniel? The slave the king fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and of incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, This is huge. You have no idea unless you study history how big this next statement is. Because they believed in a whole mess of gods. Any God anybody came up with they believed in, especially if there their people won in battle. And Mackie kind of talked about that. It said, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of Kings, and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position, lavished many gifts upon him, made him ruler over the entire providence of Babylon, placed him in charge of all of his wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the providence of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the high court. I just imagine that the result was much bigger than anything Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah ever dreamed was possible, more than they asked or imagine. Guys, don't miss the importance of verse 49. Daniel shared the benefits with his prayer warriors. Why? This is real important. Don't miss it. Why did he share the benefits with his prayer warriors? Because prayer cover is just as important as asking for it. Prayer cover was just as important. Their prayer cover was just as important as him going before the king and interpreting the dream. Their prayer cover was that important. I want to back up to prayer cover and finish off with that. If prayer cover is that powerful, and I believe it is, shouldn't we be asking for it more often? Shouldn't we be providing it for other people more often? I believe the answer is yes. I'm going to use Brent Bilby as an example. Brent, stand up. Brent's our campus minister at Rogers State University. this is a warrior i mean you can't go through a week <clears throat> i can't go through a week that my phone doesn't go off thanks brent you, you can say that. i won't make you stand up the whole time <laughs> that my phone won't go off and brent is texting me saying <clears throat> i'm headed into a study right now please provide me prayer cover at one point maybe the first time it happened there's a thought went through my brain Brent's asking me for prayer cover. (laughs) Asking me, because I'm his mentor. I'm his, you know, asking me. (laughs) Like Brent, I walk around like this. (laughs) Well, then it hit me, and I loved it when it hit me. I was just one. I don't know. I have no idea how many people he's texting every time he goes into a Bible study, but he's texting a bunch. Why? Why doesn't he just go into the Bible studies like almost everybody else does and go in there and pull his sword and do his battle and fight for that person's soul? Anybody? Why does he do that? Why does he text us all asking for prayer cover? Because it's just as important as the fight. Brent believes prayer cover is just as important as the fight. Brent knows he doesn't just believe it because he's done it long enough over and over and over and over. He knows he's going into enemy territory. Think this through. Think a warrior process through a war battlefield. He's going into enemy territory in the battlefield and going to take on demons to fight for this man's soul. He needs prayer cover. He needs prayer cover so, it will, so God will confuse the enemy. Who's our enemy? Do I, to, do I need to dig into Scripture and give you that one? Our enemy's not against flesh and blood. See, they're all there. They're all there in the realm. They know where he's going, and prayer cover covers it. And keeps them confused and keeps them off of him so he can go into enemy territory, sneak in covertly, fight for a soul, and come out victorious. That's the power of prayer cover. That's the power of God using us to provide prayer cover. I think we all need to use more prayer warriors in our lives, don't you? This is a rather large gathering of prayer warriors. Amen? Amen. If we truly believed what I'm just standing here talking to you about, about prayer cover being that powerful and that important, wouldn't it be wise if we could figure out a way to use this power when we go into the battlefield? Would it not? Well, then help me out for a second. Use your words. Talk to me. How could we do that? We just identified it would be powerful, and we're all gathered here right now. How could we actually take this from theory into practice? How could we engage? How could Brent, the next time he goes into the battlefield, engage all of you a prayer cover? It's the what? Get some phone numbers. There you go. CMU Facebook. CMU Facebook. Okay. I'm bringing social media into this. Oh, some of these guys are real smart. Bringing social media into the mix. <laughs> Using social media. How could we engage this entire group? Can you imagine all of us in here providing somebody prayer cover when they go into the battlefield? Can you imagine everybody in here providing you prayer cover when you go into the battlefield? How could we do it? Why can't we? Be praying daily? Why can't we? Not, not even knowing who we're praying for, I mean, we're praying for a brother or sister. How could we be? Why couldn't we just be praying daily for all of us here? Okay, providing that prayer cover, not even knowing what you're into. Okay, that's good. What else? Give me some input. How could we do it practically? Y'all ever heard of Facebook? How many of you in here are on Facebook? Be on, it, oh, go ahead, be honest. We know you are, even if you're not raising your hand. You think it's possible that, oh, I know. Oh, I can already tell the answers to this. I'm, I'm going to send this lady, young lady a, a friend request, and she's going, no. I'm not, no. That creeper's just sent me a prayer request. Carrie. Carrie. But what if, joke about it, but what if we said, you know, I, don't, I really don't care what you think about that. What if we just said, you know, I really don't care because you're supposed to die to self. It's not supposed to be about you. Instead, it's supposed to be about what God wants. We want prayer cover for our people. So why don't you die to self and accept a friend request? Because he did that because that's what he talked about So that we could provide prayer cover for each other What if every time I was going into the battlefield I simply posted it on my Facebook And a bunch of you because you accepted a friend request Are now hitting your knees going I'm providing prayer requests What if that happened every time you needed prayer cover It could happen That's just one example How else besides Facebook Somebody said group me me there you go yeah huh twitter tweet anybody else anything how could we how could we capture this crowd to provide prayer cover when we go into it snapchat okay all right. I'm hoping you get the point. Maybe it's not practical. We can get every single person every single time. But what if, like the one lady said, we did start thinking about everybody in this room? Are we not all on the same mission? What if nothing else, if nothing else once a day you committed to from this point forward as a part of your prayer life, to pray for every single person in here. You don't have to name them. I don't know all of his name. You can tell me and I'll forget like that because I got a memory like a gnat, it's, it's gone. But couldn't we at least, I mean, I think God knows your name. If I go before the Father tonight and I say, Father, everybody that was down there listening to me today, I want, I want to provide prayer cover for them, for whatever it is they're going through and whatever they need. You think he'd know each one of you by name? I think you would. I think we can at least do that. I want to close out with a simple request. Let's all of us hop up on our feet. And let's provide each other. Close out with prayer, providing each other with prayer cover. This time, don't just listen to the person praying. Don't just listen to me but you also offer up prayers to god as we're praying don't just listen to mine use your words speak to the father father right now we humbly come before your throne we come before you with a recognition that you are the great i am that you are the provider that you you without you father we don't have breath father you have us walking this earth for a reason And right now, Father, we want to come before you and plead, all of us here in this room, we're coming before you to plead to help us to continually take everyone in this room and access the power that you provided us called prayer cover and provide that cover for each other at least, at least, Father, once a day. Put it on our hearts to be a people that believe in prayer the way you want us to believe in prayer. To believe that you are the great provider. That you are the great I am. That you are the one that has a mission. And we're the ones going out and carrying out the mission. And we need to rely on you. And we need the prayer cover of our fellow prayer warriors to do that. Thank you, Father, for bringing us into your throne. Thank you for having our praise team ready to to come up here and, and do what they need to do to help us, to guide us. Uh, thank you, Father, for that for the praise that we've been able to give you this weekend. Uh, Father, <laughs> from a personal side, it has been incredible for me to be here and hear this praise team. Our, the, the praise team from here in St. Louis, Father, is just uh, Father, it's, it, they, they get me in tears. They get me in laughter, they give me a joy. It's difficult to get up here and speak, Father, after they've been seen because they they come into your presence and they offer such fabulous praise. Thank you, Father, for that. Thank you for allowing us to come into your presence. Thank you for being the great I Am. And it's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. Get hey, hey, hey. Okay. R.J.'s going potty. RJ's, <laughs> R.J.'s the one that told me to be.